Welcome to the final live pee we took. That we will also reopen restaurants and pubs. Hallelujah. The wearing of face coverings in shops in England will become compulsory from midnight. We drove for roughly half an hour and ended up on the outskirts of Barncastle Town. I got into a different kind of entanglement. Did you see? 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 Hello and welcome to Did You See, a podcast where we catch up on all the things we saw this week. I'm your host, Talon Aslanian, and I'm here with Pippa Smith. Hello. Sophia Miller. Hiya. And Rose Lander. Hello. Hey. We're four socially distant (laughs) journalists. But despite being stuck inside, we can't tear ourselves away from all the madness on our screens. In the week where Africa became free of polio, did you see everything that happened? Chadwick Boseman, most well known for his starring role in Black Panther, died of cancer. Sir Ed Davey was elected the new Liberal Democrat leader. And Melania Trump served the online meme community at this week's Republican National Convention. Did you see all that, guys? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Bit of a mixed week this week. Absolutely gutted to hear the news about Chadwick. I, I just loved I him. I have to it's say, so sad. I've, I've not seen Black Panther, um, which, and to be honest, I'm not very good with films, so that's something I'm definitely going to be doing uh, this bank holiday weekend. But... I felt so upset just reading all of the tributes to him yeah. and not mm. not knowing him, but still feeling like he was an amazing man, even mm. though I've not even seen anything he's been in. I think it was just a, just a big shock, wasn't it? Because nobody knew that he was ill or anything. So I think that's, it's just very unexpected. Mm. Definitely. And uh, Lib- the Lib Dems have got a new leader, if you missed it. that's I thought they already did, to be honest. <laughs> I, I've completely forgotten that they even exist. Still electing someone that they exist. Yeah, it's going to be a big job Slightly to big. make them relevant again. So yeah. apparently, we now have three leaders who are all from London constituencies or who represent London constituencies, mm-hmm. who all were privately educated and perhaps all went to Oxbridge. I can't remember. And two um, of them are sirs. And two of them are sirs. But the non-sir is odd? currently winning. Um, I <laughs> don't Representative. Think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's that surprising. I mean, I wonder how many times throughout history that's been the case. Quite a few, I should think. Yeah, it's, the majority of sounds, the time. It's not unusual, but it, it, it is unusual for the past decade, perhaps. Yeah, for 2020. Um, I think the London thing is new. I, yeah, the London thing is definitely Although new. Jeremy Corbyn was obviously London, but Joe Joe Swinson was not. Well, she's nowhere and now. It's, so. I feel like it's important to look at the runners-up for these things as well, mm. though. Like, the runners-up were women from the north, you know, younger, and you kind of just think, oh, what what could have been? Yeah. So was Leila Moran the runner-up? Yeah. I think she was... I actually have a really funny fact about Leila Moran. Go on. It's, it's, not, it's not a fact, Spill. actually. It's just something I find a little bit funny. And I think Leila needs to take this with a pinch of salt. <laughs> um, I think she looks like from the mother in Meet the Robinsons. I don't what? know if anyone's seen <laughs> the film Meet the Robinsons. Is it's that a part Pixar of the, like, animated. Yeah. No, I haven't but seen it. I've seen it. She looks like the mum. 
because my boyfriend the looks like the dad. Well. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Maybe they should pair together. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, and lastly, Melania Trump at the Republican National Convention gave a um, an interesting speech in the Rose Garden, which broke a lot of tradition, was quite controversial. Hmm. But um, her delivery was interesting because it was quite robotic. But mm-hmm. I don't know what we would expect from Melania Trump mm. anyway. Well, I guess it's obviously not in her first language for a start. You often forget that English is not Melania's native language. But to be honest, you don't hear her speak that much. Mm. And I feel like we mm. would... I'd like to hear from her more, maybe? Mm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I would like to hear from her more because I feel that we we heard a lot from um, Michelle Obama when she was first lady, and it is it is quite a big role in the US. It's very different to here. Like it's not a role to, for the prime minister's significant other as such, is it? So I think no. it's um, very true. I think it yeah. it would be nice to hear more. Give us more Melania. You hear more from Ivanka normally. Well, she's a special advisor. Mm. Remember, guys, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to us and even give us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us. And you can follow at DYS underscore podcast on Twitter, where we share lots of things throughout the week. So let's get started. Sophia, what did you see this week? Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Your penguin correspondent. Um, did you see the penguin called Pierre that's been sh- watching Pingu? Oh, that's so no, cute. No, I haven't. Yes. He I loves love Pingu. <laughs> and it's to keep him from feeling lonely. Oh, why is he lonely? So he's he was rescued. Um and he's not he wasn't very well. And penguins are very sociable an- animals. They get lonely quite quickly. Um, so he's being held in Perth Zoo in Australia while he gets better and um, he's it's going to take quite a while before he's going to be released back into the world again. So in the meantime, he's been watching Pingu for some company and apparently he Aww. loves it. Um, Do you think that he realises that it's penguins? Because no, Well, they don't think so. They think he yeah. just likes the colours um, mm. and the noises and the because um, apparently he responds very vocally when he watches it. So it's almost Aww. like he's talking to the penguin. It's very that sweet. That's so cute. <laughs> but that's how they know that he's enjoying it. Uh-huh. Um, and they're also having little video calls with the um, penguins in Edinburgh Zoo. Oh, that's a bit nice. of company Aww. there. Yeah. Sorry, so where is where is Pierre? He's in Perth Zoo in Australia. I see. Mm-hmm. And uh. he's lonely. He's lonely, yeah. So but why he needs, is he, he lonely? Why doesn't he have any friends? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe there aren't any other penguins. I'm not sure. That's it doesn't really say. Sad. That's really that mean sad. that you just have one penguin. Mm, yeah, and they are really social because I there's always great drama on the zoo programs about the penguins because they like they they're in like couples and then they'll be like domestic drama and they'll mm. like all kind of like it's like it's like a soap opera. It's great. <laughs> I saw another good <laughs> news story about penguins this week that was. Um, uh, a pair of same-sex female penguins adopted a adopted a chick together. Yes, I think that's quite common. So when when they're sort of quite young and they haven't like paired up with their like f- 
final mate. They just kind of like pair up because they like to have a buddy, basically so have cute. a have a friend. And then yeah, often they do adopt if if there's like a problem with the parents or whatever, they adopt the chicks and look after them. Adorable. So um, cute. It's like a little practice run. It's quite cute. <laughs> Here we go. I've got a little extra information for you. The reason oh, why he is lonely is because he's an endangered penguin. So he's a northern rock oh. hopper penguin. And so he's the oh, only so one cute. in the whole of Australasia. So Whoa. he's all alone. Oh my alone. goodness. I know. Imagine being the only one of your kind. Yeah. <laughs> That's really sad. And he's still molting at the moment. So he's not waterproof yet. So he can't swim. Oh. Um, and he's not molted properly because he's been quite ill. And so they're going to have to keep him for a long time and he's going to have to watch a lot of reruns of Pingu, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's just one sad thing after Has anybody actually watched Pingu recently? Because it is <laughs> mental. Recently. Why have you watched <laughs> Pingu recently, Pippa? It was just on for some reason. Or Pippa's maybe I saw it on, on social well, I've media. I've heard like, on social media people yeah. say, have you watched Pingu recently? Because it's honestly on drugs. <laughs> yeah, like... I Most kids shows are though, if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. If you think about those, I bet they're all high or something. Some of yeah. the weird ideas they come up with. Like the, the tally tubbies. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. But I used to love Pingu when I was younger. And there yeah. was this one episode with a blue vase. And we had a blue vase at home. And Pingu broke the blue vase in the program and he got in a lot of trouble. And I remember whenever I would walk past the blue vase at home, I would literally be so skittish. Can't break it like Pingu. Can't get abused by his father because his dad was very aggressive or whatever. Well, I don't know whether this is my story to tell, but um, my boyfriend (laughs) apparently one time watched one of the episodes where Pingu just pees like all over the floor. (laughs) Yeah, I've and seen so that. Then, Luke thought, oh no! Luke... <laughs> oh my Luke god, that would be a good idea. So started just like missing the toilet and just being all over the floor like Pinky, much to his mother's astonishment. Kids are great, oh, aren't no. they? They're very good. Like Pinky, the kids program should not be teaching stuff like that. <laughs> mm. That is terrible. I'm sure at the I end, think of my mum saw Bill and Ben, the flower pot men. They poured water over people's heads and thought it was hilarious. So my <laughs> mum saw that and thought, oh, that's brilliant. And so just poured, her dad was came in after a long day of work, sat down in, the te- in front of the TV and she poured a whole bucket of ice cold water all over his head. <laughs> I don't think it went down too well. That's good. Um, yeah, I um, I always used to, the ones that stick in my brain of these programmes, and I have a Pingu example, is where like, one of the characters gets lost and I used to get so like emotionally invested Aww. in these things mm. so yeah there's the one with Pingu where he he gets lost or he loses is there a little sister or something he loses yeah her. he has a little sister um and I was like in bits about this and I also have a really vivid memory of an episode of uh come outside where Love Pippin that. uh gets stuck in the removal van and is lost and I my mum always tells me about how I came out and was just like Pippin's lost I'm gonna go <laughs> wait wait one with there was one episode of come outside where a fire started in her house and <gasps> yeah so I know brutal. and Pippin I know Pippin was stuck inside <gasps> oh don't I know poor Pippin I mean, obviously he got out somehow because it's a kid's program, but I, I remember that so clearly. 
that's, that's really traumatic. That would have been pretty, honestly, right? pretty traumatic if Pippin died in a house of drama. I'm glad he did it. Oh my god. I think like, he like pulled something and like something and then he let himself out somehow but he was stuck inside. Can you imagine if kids' programmes were a bit like Coronation Street where like every couple of years they like blow up a house or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Wow, come outside. I love that programme. It's crazy, man. Yeah, that was my favourite. I feel like kids now one, like yeah. watch completely different shows. Yeah. So I don't know if they would understand mm-hmm. the joy that is Pingu. No, yeah, apparently the the big one now is Hey Dougie. Oh, that's or like sort Peppa Pig. Of, I don't you know what that main is. one, isn't it? Yeah. Peppa Pig. You seem to watch a lot of children's television. Peppa. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, weirdly, on um on all four, like the on demand thing, I keep getting they Peppa Pig Peppa adverts. Peppa Pig washing hands. Yeah, and I'm like, it's Why? really annoying. <laughs> and also, I was watching Scrubs. Uh, yes. Yay. Late at night, maybe at like half ten, and the Peppa Pig advert came on half through, halfway through. And my dad was watching with me, and my dad was like, "I love this advert so much! Like it made him really happy." And then he went, "Why are they showing this advert at quarter to eleven at night? They should be showing it when kids are awake." It's and strange. And he didn't understand the concept of on demand. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's not the sort of progress because we watch Scrubs, and that's where I've seen it, and. Uh, it's not the sort of program that you'd watch with your children, though. So I don't really understand um, no. why it's on there. But they sing a they sing a washing your hands song, uh, which is not very adventurous. I think the like lyrics are wash, wash, wash your hands, make them nice and clean, <laughs> bubbly, scrubbly, bubbly something. You know them too well. Yeah, yeah. closet Peppa Pig fan. <laughs> <laughs> I love well Peppa Pippa. Peppa you know. Pig. <laughs> okay well that was fun i love that i love sophia when you bring our penguin stories (laughs) and it brings us all so much joy and we all love hearing about penguins obviously i'll try and find another animal (laughs) can't wait rose what did you see this week did you see boris johnson giving an address in a school with a backdrop of politically pointed books I did see this. <laughs> so um, basically, there's there's two stages to this story because at <laughs> first, everyone on Twitter was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, who is this English teacher or this school librarian who's trolling Boris Johnson?" Because that basically he's giving this talk to the school, but sort of you know to the nation about like the exams fiasco and getting ready to go back to school and all this and um, but behind him the books are displayed um and they're all like about despotic dictators or like dystopians or wasn't um, one they the just twits ha- yeah so it was the twits subtle knife um what else was there fahrenheit 451 which is about a it's a dystopia about like a land where books are banned um Wow. Yeah, what else was there? Glass was houses. The toll or something? The toll, the yeah, the toll. Oh, toll. A, that's about a dictatorship. Exodus. That's so about cheery. global warming. The resistance. <laughs> Betrayed. <laughs> Is there a, a copy so of Harry everyone, Potter on there anywhere? <laughs> no, no, no. The so Hunger everyone Games? was like... Um, 
you know, this is a genius who's done this. And also, how has none of the Prime Minister's team noticed? And he's just, like, up there looking like a bit of a fool. And so everyone was loving it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second stage of the story is that the the librarian who did it has now come out and said, yes, it was a pointed message and it was deliberate. She did choose those titles deliberately, but it wasn't for Prime Minister Boris Johnson. It was for the school's management itself because she quit in um, February uh, and, um, you know, under massive strain, she felt like she wasn't getting enough support. She said that the library had turned into just like a dumping ground where 90 kids would just be left there and she had, you know, she didn't know what to do with them and stuff. Basically just, she didn't enjoy her job there. She quit. And as a final message to the management, she left that display of books. But obviously <laughs> nobody ever noticed and the library hadn't been used for five months. So it was still up there when when uh, Boris came along to give his speech. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> what are the chances but I just love that idea of like going out with a bang like sending a message but then it's kind of (laughs) in the most librarian no one noticed (laughs) (laughs) Um, also you would think though with all the kind of focus there's been on like bookshelves behind people during the zoom time that somebody from the number 10 team would have like looked at what was behind him and like rearrange the books according to you know what was appropriate but maybe they yeah. just weren't worried because maybe they were like well at least there's not going to be any like i don't know mine camp or something yeah in a school <laughs> library i feel like it's hard because obviously you would expect the aides to recognize that and and so much has happened before that you would think that they're switched on but it's so hard yeah, yeah you can't be switched on to everything yeah of this visit to the school there was another um, great photo that came out of Boris Johnson sort of in a classroom situation um, with a few sort of teenage <laughs> students around him and their faces are very funny and it's sort of like you kind of want to do a caption competition with it uh, yeah like I'm sure that they were not like being rude to him or anything but it's just you know when you capture people I, kind I of don't mid- know because if you hear what he was saying it was kind of weird so like I saw that video where the the kids are just staring at him like why am I here why are you yeah. here what's going on <laughs> and uh, one of his quotes from his speech is um when you've been struggling with something in the classroom some concept that you cannot get like the supine stem of confetti or nuclear fusion or is harry potter sexist answer no by the way is it politically acceptable to sing rule britannia yes and like all these kids just staring at him like what are you talking about what what confuses me at length about this and in general about these things is it's the summer holidays. So, like, they've yeah. obviously had to, oh like, God, drag the some in. children in, kids in for the purposes oh, wow. of this, like, press visit. And it's just like, what? Like, why? That's very yeah. true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That could explain. I mean, I, I guess it's hard because they're, they're trying to show schools going back, but it's a bit pooey if there are no kids in school <laughs> when they're there. <laughs> yeah, that is oh, weird. Oh, dear. Never mind. I, um, I've been reminded of this one occasion with David Cameron and I read it in his book, which I haven't finished reading because it's so long. Um, he was saying that him and his wife went to visit a hospital and 
they wanted like a photo op or something and the problem was that they were they wanted to go through these double doors with this person from the hospital and the doors kept closing or <laughs> or something kept happening with the doors so an aide got on their hands and knees yes. and kept the door open but whilst <laughs> that was that photo was supposed to happen they weren't supposed to include the aide mm. but the photographer obviously did include the aide and the photos got um, published with David Cameron walking through a door with someone on their hands and he's holding <laughs> the door open for Which him. Which is, yeah, very funny. Um, very good for the photographer there. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those... That, the Boris situation reminded me of this one where it's just like a lot of things collide. Except David Cameron now writes about it humorously. Mm. Yes, I'm sure at the time he wasn't very pleased though. <laughs> um. Indeed. I don't really know, but you know, I think... I would expect the photographer to take advantage of that moment, surely. Yeah, like, wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends, like, um, because maybe some of the photographers that were there were, like, fr- they weren't, like, press photographers. They were, like, party photographers yeah. because they, they take mm-hmm. their own photographers with them as well as, like, there being press agency ones. So maybe they just sort of didn't really realise that there were... Uh, gonna be like actual pro- like paparazzi kind of people there as well who knows well either way it was funny and <laughs> do you know what's also quite funny what pippa's did you see <laughs> <laughs> pippa what did you see this week so did you see i think possibly one of the worst studio flats ever that went up for <laughs> sale this week um it went a bit viral uh, because it's slightly strange. So this is £125,000 for this uh, studio flat in Worthing. It's described as uh, <laughs> as being spacious and well-converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> basically, it's like up, it's up in the top floor of a building. Um, so the stairs come up into a room and so there's a kitchen to one sort of corner of this room and so so as not to like the last thing you want when you have a studio flat is the bed in the middle of the room right taking up all the space so you basically just got a bedroom and a kitchen so they've uh, ingeniously uh decided to put the bed somewhere else uh they've put the bed over the top of the stairs um in order to free up some space in the living room and honestly, it looks awful and like. But I think you need to you need to explain it a lot better. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Like on top of the stairs doesn't sound as dramatic as what I'm as looking in, at. They've built like a plinth over <laughs> the top of uh, where the like um, the stair stairs gap, come up. The gap, yeah, over the gap, yeah. So there's then a bed sort of raised sort of half probably about a meter and a half off the floor over the top i don't think that that so is as in safe. if you were climbing up the stairs you would yeah. look up and that would be the top you of your bed bump your yeah. head the bed. on the bed <laughs> yeah yeah and it looks yeah. like, like it's high from the view and obviously- of the room it looks it basically looks like the bed is like precarious precariously balanced on the on the banister yeah so there does the ra- the so, yeah I would argue that that possibly is not the most structurally sound way to do it because it's only, <laughs> it doesn't look like it's like, it's only going to be attached to the wall. 
so that's quite a lot of weight yeah. to attach to a wall. And if you then, fell like, out of bed, quite you'd a flimsy Well, there's a little kind of uh, I I I would call this the the bedside cabinet esque thing. Actually, some say... shelves hanging from the ceiling <laughs> next to the bed, which I guess would stop you falling down the. Uh, down into the down the no, stairs. No, they're not going to stop you falling. They're just a convenient place to put your books. But mm. I think it has a double purpose. I think they did they put it there deliberately to stop you falling out of bed and down the stairs. Yes, I think. Oh, so you mean well. the other side? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm imagining like your head going down, right? It, as oh. in, if you were lying, and all of a sudden your bed goes diagonally. Oh, if the bed breaks. Oh well, well then, yeah. yeah if the bed breaks, you. then you're, you're probably dead. <laughs> Um. So, <laughs> yeah. So this they they think this is a you know a well converted uh, and and they even in the description, um, say the studio room has a built in bed over the stairs. How exciting! I can totally imagine the thought process though of like how shall we maximize? I understand the space. why, but uh, I just don't understand why they then didn't think that this would not blow up in the way that it did and everybody would go this is just like uh i don't know a symbol of the state of the housing market at the moment that like this is considered acceptable and all this um but basically i shouldn't i wouldn't be buying this if i were moving to worthing also to pay one hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds for a studio flat where you sleep above your stairs <laughs> is slightly odd um, Hang on. So you're paying for. So you'd buy. So it's the, on, as in you're buying it. Yeah. So it's for sale okay. as opposed to for rent. I um, feel like. I mean, I would buy it and remove the bed. Yeah. Maybe there's some way we can make some space. I think 125 thousand is like obviously not great, but like you can get those quite those fun beds for studio flats that like flip down from the. Um... Yes. Yeah. That's a good idea. Why didn't they come up with that? <laughs> Well, because they've got quite. the bed thing. Yeah, they've, they've sorted got the it. Thing is, the thing. they don't need a wall thing. They've got this. If you live like north of Birmingham, you can get like a two-bed house for one hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds. So yeah, studio. It just seems slightly crazy. I lived in a studio flat in Madrid for two years, and um, and I used to dream of having walls. I'd be like, one day we'll have walls, and then I'll know. <laughs> then I'll know we've truly made it. That's the most millennial thing ever. <laughs> I'm confused, but you have walls. No, like interior walls. Yeah, but it's all in the same room. Yeah, like so. Oh, there's yeah. no like the only thing that's separate from everything else is the bathroom. So that like, makes sense. You sleep, eat, cook, lounge, all in one room. So were you ever bothered by the smell of your cooking whilst yes, you're going? Yes, in fact, it was really funny because. For some reason, hours after we cooked, the smell of onions would gather where our pillows were. So we called it like onion corner <laughs> and we'd be like getting ready for bed because that was, you know, a few hours after we ate and suddenly we'd be like, oh no, onion corner. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> like something about the currents in the room just... <laughs> oh, yeah, that is not nice. <laughs> that makes me quite sad. <laughs> it was nice. I liked it. It was a nice studio flat. Nicer than this one in Worthing. <laughs> one of the comments says, Jesus, the 
The thought of trying to shag in that bed is giving me raging anxiety. <laughs> that is true. Oh god. I wouldn't oh even god. want like I wouldn't even want to sleep in it because I genuinely would be quite scared of falling out of it. Even if you didn't fall down the stairs bit, even falling out If you weren't onto um, the onto the floor would be How would quite you painful. fall out onto the floor? You'd be like flipping If, if your BMI was slightly concerned. You could easily drop your phone or something of, downstairs. Yeah, yeah that's true. Definitely. You could easily fall. Yeah. So who what's downstairs? Is it like a door? Do we I know? guess it's like a maze and that kind of thing. So yeah, there's a door and then you go straight up from the door um up the stairs. So this is this is what we're seeing in this one photo is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how they take these photos to make it look bigger than it is. So that person is stood like in the corner of this flat, yeah. taking this photo to try and make it look as big as possible. And that's as big as they could make mm-hmm. it look. We will tweet the photo so all of our listeners, all of our lovely yes. listeners can have a look. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it didn't go down very well. It's now been removed from, uh, it's now been removed from on the market. Uh, either someone's bought it or they've decided against advertising it. Too much I don't too know. Too much press. Um but yeah. too many inquiries. It is sort of a, a, a sign of the time so that um in the Lad Bible article in which I found this story, they then go on to talk about other uh studio flats that have kind of like tried to make the most out of um out of small space and I have a friend actually who um their beds in their rooms are like high up so there's like a ladder up to them so that you can like have a desk underneath to make more of the space um which is I mean interesting my sister had one of those when we were little yeah you always want one when you're when you're little you want one of those fun ones yeah I, I get it it's not what you're necessarily looking for as an adult but I would understand being a landlord thinking I'm going to put in a, a half bunk bed and put a desk under this to save space. <laughs> when I buy a house, I'm going to put a wardrobe in front of the door, hollow out the back of the wardrobe and call that room Narnia. Oh, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it will be done. <laughs> I like when people put those little pixie doors between their children's rooms so they can like go through into I each other's seen rooms. That. I think that's Aww. really cute. Although thinking about it as a child, that actually would have ended in <laughs> carnage. Um, but it's cute. <laughs> well, do you want to know what I saw this week, guys? Yes. Nope. <laughs> oh, I should definitely not ask. <laughs> they always say in journalism you shouldn't ask. Can I ask you this? Yeah, just ask. Because <laughs> they're gonna say no. <laughs> Did you see Jack Blanchard's last Politico London playbook? I did skim it, but I didn't read it properly. <laughs> I actually didn't. I haven't been reading them recently, but I'm going to read it because it is a significant moment. Maybe give some background for yeah, people that have never read it Yeah, this is quite niche, so I was going to give some background. So, Politico is a online news website mostly focusing around politics but not just uk politics they do abroad um Mm. america and quite european yeah they they cover a large section of the world um and this is called the london playbook and it's basically an a morning email one of those morning briefings that you get to your inbox you sign up to it and it arrives uh in your email inbox around 7 15 to 7 30 every day (laughs) 
and it's a very long email getting you up to speed with all the news that's happened overnight and what you should be expecting for the day. So it's very nerdy. It's it's great on if you like news and politics and stuff, which I do. And the person that started writing these emails was Jack Blanchard. Um, Jack, I believe, was a journalist at The Sun, I want to say. Something like that. He was a print journalist before this and was nabbed and because he had such great political knowledge to write um, these morning emails. And so they've been going on for three years, almost to the day. And it was finally um, Jack's turn to hang up his shoes. Is that what they say? <laughs> hang up his shoes? Hang up his shoes? Hang up his... <laughs> Of all items of clothing, what do you hang up? It's the one thing you don't hang up. Uh, don't you hang something up though? I think hang up tie? is I don't know coat, Hat? email, pen. And um, lay aside his pen. Maybe. I mean, he needs a lion surely because he must be up all well, night. Well, he writing is this going to become email. the first ever UK political editor for Politico, so he's not exactly going on to an easier ride, but potentially a more sleep. Uh, sleep friendly one Mm -hmm. so um, Mm. Jack Blanchard um, from talks I've watched in the past he is he tries to take a nap at some point in the day but he's usually writing this from 3pm and he is writing this through the night um, and it will get sent maybe in the early hours to someone in Australia to get checked um, and then it will come back and sent out of your inboxes and Basically, the reason why I wanted to say, talk about this, not only is the London Playbook such an amazing resource for anyone who's Mm. interested in news, because it keeps you up to date. And you also don't have to read it because they've got this robot that reads it for you out loud if you want to listen to it instead. I also think it gets you ahead of things. So like the stuff that they kind of like, so they basically read lots of things for you so there'll be like all of the political coverage in the newspapers has been read for you and then linked if there's something interesting that you should read and so you get like a lot of the um what the political journalists do like where they talk to advisors and like get kind of hints at what might happen um so you kind of get ahead of the news so if you're interested in like particularly with coronavirus if you're interested in like what the new policy is going to be like I've definitely found out or been informed of like where they're thinking of going by reading this and like getting ahead almost exactly and for example they'll say um this these figures were released uh this morning and they'll give you a rundown on them and you don't need to go and read them of course you have to trust that they're being correct but they are (laughs) luckily and also what's really good is that they will give you um what you're expecting in terms of who's going to be on the broadcast round if you really want to listen to someone specific on and they also give you fun facts like they'll say it's this person's birthday today Mm -hmm. or um the the weather and the travel it's just an all-inclusive package it's the only thing you really need to read in the morning which is amazing um but i wanted to bring it up his last one specifically because of what he wrote as a farewell And it gave such an insight into how he gets his information. So he was saying that um, 
that cabinet ministers and party staffers would stay up uh, into the early hours of the morning on WhatsApp just messaging him to make sure that Playbook was well informed for the following mm. day, which actually blows my mind because why are cabinet ministers doing that? But, you know, okay. Um, there's apparently one Whitehall source who spent so many hours um, explaining the ins and outs of the Brexit wars to Jack so that he could relay them to us. I think it, it shows so much about how, okay, he's spending half of his day writing this, but he also needs to go and cultivate those relationships mm. and make sure that he's trustworthy for people to tell him all this stuff. Um, one of the things he said, thank you to the life-saving lobby hack who frantically logged your author onto their iPhone hotspot as we careered down a runway in a military aircraft in Baghdad at 6am. And the email actually made it into your inboxes <laughs> that day. Like, can you absolutely believe that? That is incredible. Um, mm. So going on, I just think that it's still continuing. It's going to be continued by Alex Wickham. Wickham. It's going to be continued Formerly of BuzzFeed, I believe. Yes, and we all know what happened to BuzzFeed, unfortunately, earlier this lockdown period. Piss. So it's good to know that Alex is now taking over the London playbook and it shall continue and we shall forever <laughs> be informed, hopefully. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to hey. take over the job, personally. <laughs> if they come and ask me I'll respectfully decline you've, you've got to be very dedicated <laughs> I actually am in the sad position now that I get up before it comes uh, that is really like, sad so that's, yeah really sad so I haven't been able to read it much recently because I have been beating it into the day which is yeah but I'm not no. suggesting that it gets sent any earlier because I do think yeah. it's early enough. <laughs> Poor Alex, he doesn't need that pressure, Pippa. No, not not, not just to inform me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, why not subscribe to it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts? And give us a follow on Twitter to get all the latest updates. We're at dys underscore podcast. See you next week, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.